0: podcast a sports ethos production i'm your host candace hagans and as always it's a pleasure and it's a privilege to talk hawks with you so i'm going to make this short and sweet is a short turnaround for the seattle seahawks your seattle seahawks officially lost to the panthers 30 to 24 in sunday afternoon's game Unfortunately, it was another poor production from the run game on both sides of the ball. Those are both keys to win that I had in the game, and they failed to do both of those. They were not able to, to do anything in the trenches. They pretty much got manhandled, I think, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Well, the offensive line held up pretty well, but they just weren't able to run the ball for reasons because of the lack of running backs. They only had Travis Homer as a starter and Tony Jones Jr., who's off the practice squad got a couple snaps in as well, but they were definitely lacking in that department and they just struggled to run block anyway, when they did make those attempts and then in the run game, I, I thought that they struggled the first two drives to get stops similar to the last game. But I did think that in the second and third quarters, they were looking to tighten things up and had and midway through the third quarter when Al Woods went out, well, he became doubtful. He's got an Achilles injury, which you, you really hate to hear. But once he went out, the floodgates opened and the the Panthers were just able to run the ball down the throats of the Seahawks each and every time. And the team could do nothing to stop it because quite honestly, they just don't have the talent. I'm not really sure you can truly even judge this scheme because they just don't have the talent that they need in order to, you know, make it work up front. And I think it showed they just flat out got beaten and you, you're dealing with a lot of people who, you know, we're fringe and our fringe NFL players to begin with. You know, you're playing Miles Adams, who's an undrafted free agent. You're playing Brian Monet, who's an undrafted free agent. And has shown flashes, but it's not been consistent. You you have LJ Collier, who's probably one of the biggest, one of the bigger busts in recent NFL, in recent Seahawks history. I'll say that much. Um, And then... And then you've got Puna Ford, who was also an underactive free agent who's seen some success, but just does not succeed in this scheme. And it's been evident that that's the case. Now, it's really unfortunate because it's put a lot of things in jeopardy. That's a game that even though they were down what they were down against the Panthers team, if they would have been able to even be just normally poor at the run game, they still would have been able to shut this team down. It was a bad game for Gino or a poor game. I, I don't think it was a good game for Gino. Some people could say it wasn't his fault. Fine. I, I think he should be held accountable for that game. Uh, he really should have had three picks, to be honest. He only had two interceptions, uh, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And I know that it was hard because he did not have a run game. I'm going to give him that. And that's going to put any quarterback in a tough position. So it's not completely on Gino, but I, I do think that one of those plays, Geno thought he had a free play and he didn't. Ended up being a pick. The other play was just a purely bad throw. He just didn't see uh, safety coming in to make that play. He just missed it. Just missed it. And you hate to see plays like that. Geno has. I thought. I think Geno's been putting the ball at risk for some time now. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But that's pretty much where the Seahawks are. And, and like I said, it's left. People questioning where this team is or where they should be. Are they really a playoff team? Can they even still get in the playoffs? Did they blow their chances of going to the playoffs by losing this game to the Panthers? So let's talk about it. Uh, What I'm going to do is just review my thoughts on where the Seahawks are in the playoff picture right now. I'll give just a couple of talking points about the preview uh, to preview the 49ers game. But just because it's such a short turnaround, I'm not going to put too much effort in, in in talking about either game but do check out a, a preview idea collaboration with Ted's Hawks Ball on his channel you can check it out i'll have it posted up on the YouTube page as well as the, the I'll have it posted as an individual separate audio um as we dive a little bit deeper into the 49ers and Seahawks game so there will be more content from you i'm just going to because i've already done that I'm just going to hit some of the talking points that I think would be relevant for Seahawks listeners or more relevant for Seahawks listeners in this podcast. And we'll then you'll have both of them to listen to. So, where did the Seahawks fall in the playoff picture? Right now, they're currently in the hunt. There's them losing this game took them out of the playoff picture completely, which I think scares a lot of people or upsets a lot of people. It does not for me. Um, consider me optimistic on this point, but I feel fairly confident that the Seahawks will find up, find their way to the final spot in the playoffs. Are they getting in on the back end instead of the division the, the winner like we hope? Yeah, but I want everybody to keep this year in context. A lot of people, a lot of you listeners would not have projected that the Seahawks were winning seven games when this year started. You just weren't, especially if you thought Geno was starting instead of Drew Locke. And so I just think that you have to keep in mind that this is a rebuild year. And I actually think that it's for the good of the organization as a whole that you're seeing some of these flaws come out now. Because I think that that middle of the year month, when they were being great on defense, they were clicking on offense, I think that was a bit of a facade. I think it's better that the Seahawks see the clear holes in their team Going into the the off season, whether they make the playoffs or not, then then the other uh, because here's what's ha- here's what's happened. The Seahawks had their first lo- Pete Carroll had his first uh, losing season that he's had since he's gotten Russell Wilson last year. And guess what it led to? An incredible free agent signing in Utena Nwosu, a great off the street midway, midyear signing in, in Bruce Irvin. A incredible generationally good draft class. Guess what? It pushed them over the limits. They clearly saw their holes. They were determined and had an urgency about getting those holes filled and, and really building something special after coming off of the year that they came off of. They need another offseason like that. I truly believe that if they had continued to play at that level that they were playing at a month ago, you'd probably see Puna Ford resigned. You'd probably see Brian Monet still on this team and, you know, he's been extended. I don't know if they'll cut bait with him at this point or not. I think they legitimately may be considering letting Brian Monet go despite that extension, because I don't think it cost them. He didn't get a lot of guaranteed money in that extension. It just kind of, uh, they still, basically they can still save money by moving off of Brian Monet and all in all, I just think that those moves would have been detrimental to the long-term ceiling of this team. They don't fit this scheme. And I think that's fairly, fairly obvious right now. It's clear and obvious. They're frustrated with where they are. They're gonna make changes on that defense. Whether they make the playoffs and squeak in or not, they've had enough embarrassing wins. I mean, sorry, embarrassing losses to this point. Well, I think they're gonna say something's changing because they have to basically win out to have a winning record. I don't think they're looking at, at even having a, a more than 500 season. I think that's okay. Keep that in context. They've got right now. They're looking at the number overall, number two overall draft pick. Thanks, Broncos. Thanks, thanks for that. They're looking at the number two overall pick, which is a great opportunity to to enhance this defense. I think they'll do that. I think that's the right thing to do with that first draft pick, especially. We can talk about what the second draft pick should be. I think that'll depend on. Gino's performance the rest of this way. But you also want to see Gino and his flaws, too. I think that's for the best. Gino needs to show that he has limitations and that he makes mistakes and that he's not... hes Even though he's been playing like a top-five quarterback, I don't believe he is a top-five quarterback. I think he's top 15 at best. And I think the lowest he can get you is top 20, right? I think it's somewhere in there, somewhere in that 15 to 20 range. But you then would want, you, you'd want him to show that on film so that it helps the Seahawks be able to negotiate getting Geno for a cheaper price, because Geno's losing money as he plays these games, and I think he knows that. I'll also come back to that when I'm previewing the 49ers game, but he's been he's been more turnover-prone lately, not killing the team, but he has had an interception in pretty much every game, I think, since the bye week, and so I, I think that shifts your how much you're willing to pay Geno, and that's fine. I don't think this team should pay him a ton of money. I would love for them to be able to keep him somewhere between twenty to twenty-five million dollars because he played his way out of $30 dollars. $30 I think that's fair. I don't even know if this point if he's going to make a Pro Bowl because he's sort of kind of falling off a cliff since the second half, since the bye week in the in that they had in the midseason. Not falling off a cliff. Let me say that. Let me rephrase that. That's too dramatic. But he has regressed. I'll say that much. He's regressed more to the mean of what people thought. Now, even that is still a lot higher than what people thought he was going to be able to do. He still had, this team had an opportunity to win. This team still was in position. He's still coming in the offense. And he's been doing all of it in a tough position, having virtually no defense and no run game. So, we must give that caveat. We always thought Gino would be best. When he had pieces around him right now, he doesn't have those pieces around him. And you're seeing the cracks in that. but you don't really want to pay. I don't want to pay. I'll just say, I don't want to pay 30, $35 million to a quarterback who, if it did break down, you also can't depend on to carry the team. Because I know those those, and I'll say, I know those quarterbacks generally get paid like 45 million, but those guys are younger who get paid more in the 45, 45 million range. And I just don't think that. This team is, this roster is ready enough to pay that money to Gino because they, they don't have, I don't think they have the roster around him to, to put him in the best, put him in the maximum position. Those week four through week eight, nine games where he was just on fire, the run game was alive and well. The defense had started to find their footing and get a little bit better well, maybe not week four, but week five for sure, the defense has started getting a little bit better. And I think he really does need all those things in play for him. I just don't think you can put that many. If that's the case, you can't put that money, that much money in a resource of a quarterback because the purpose of putting that much money in the resource of a quarterback is when you know that that guy can carry you, even if the roster is a little weaker, right? So that's where we are with that. I think ultimately this is... It's not the best thing that for the Seahawks. You'd love for them to have won this game because it was an embarrassing loss. We'd rather have won this game and then lose against the 49ers. Still be in a good position for the playoffs, but it'd be obvious that this team needs holes. I think this was a winnable game. I think they should have won it. But I still think that the position that the Seahawks are in in the long term is much better. They're still going to look so much better next season because of the moves that I believe they're going to make in the in the off season. And you've seen these rookies play meaningful games, be in a competitive culture, understand what winning means, which I felt was important from the very beginning of the season. I was never team tank because opportunities like this, games like this, that type of experience, being in the playoff race, being in the hunt, the possibilities, and them having to step up and important get meaningful games like like Thursday night's game will be is extremely valuable in and of itself and that's exactly the kind of thing that helps mold great players and championship winning players down the line all right with that said let's talk about this playoff picture i've said i felt confident that the seahawks will still make the playoffs i want to say that i feel that way even if the seahawks lose this game against the 49ers which i honestly predict that they will i predict they lose to the 49ers and the Chiefs I think those two games are dead in the water and I predict that they win though against the Jets and the Rams that they go two and two essentially over their next four games and you'd say well Kenneth, if they go two and two that's no there's no way that they're gonna get in the playoff race I I think that the the rise of the other, other teams the other in the hunt teams are a little bit overstated I'll just be honest I just don't think that the NFC is that strong still and while you're seeing people like it seems like the Lions it seems like the Giants and the commanders are there are in play but I just think that the Seahawks can overcome those guys especially since they've beaten two out of those three opponents that I just named specifically beating the Giants and the Lions so The number one reason I feel confident in that is because, like I just said, the Seahawks have the tiebreaker over the Lions and they have a tiebreaker over the Giants. Now, you would have loved for literally anything but a tie between that first matchup between the Giants and the Commanders. Like, any team winning would have been preferred over them getting a tie. Yes, that's true. And that's pretty much the reason why the Seahawks are not in the playoff picture right now. It's because of that tie. But... The next next week, they have to play each other again. And assuming that it does not result in a tie, any team that wins, I I think, still knocks the other one out temporarily, right? Even if the Seahawks lose this week. And I'll tell you this, the numbers will be low. The numbers will be below 50%, probably even below 45% that 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 the Seahawks can still make the playoffs, even if they lose against the 49ers those numbers will go down. I'm not going to be moved by those because one win can make all the difference in the world or one loss from another team can make all the difference in the world in terms of those statistics. It calculates how things are now, but it is not predictive predictive in any way of the future. That's just how I feel about it. And so I won't be moved by stats that say they don't have a chance after they lose against if they lose against the 49ers, I'm that's not going to scare me out of my takes. Um But let's take a deeper look. So, yes, I think the Seahawks will go two and two. I think the tiebreaker over the Giants and the Lions will help them greatly. Now, if this was the Falcons in the playoff hunt, I'd be a lot more concerned. It's not. So, or the Saints, I'd be more concerned. But it's not. The Seahawks having that tiebreaker means they should be able to squeak to the playoffs. But let's look into the schedules of our competitors, shall we? I'm just specifically going to take a look at the Giants and the Commander schedules, not as much the Lions, just because I, I just feel maybe we can reevaluate that in the next episode. But for right now, the people who have the playoff spots we want, the teams rather, are the Giants and the Commanders. The Commanders schedule over the next over the rest of the season. They play the Giants again. Like I said, that's going to be a benefit to the team. No matter what that outcome is, the Seahawks will benefit because it's going to knock somebody out. They play the 49ers. I don't think they stand a chance against the 49ers. And then they play the Browns. Maybe they win that game, but Deshaun Watson is back. Yeah, he's throwing picks. I think he may be able to pull out a win in the final game of the season against the Commanders. I'm, I'm just, that's my guess. He's looking a little rusty. He would have played a few couple more games by then. I think he probably will end his season on a high note. Not to say I'm rooting for that. I'm just saying that that's what I think is going to happen. Especially against a Commanders team. You know. And maybe they don't. But I just think they're going to want Deshaun to continue to work his way into shape. So that he can have some momentum going into next season. it's very likely. And maybe the Commanders pull that one out. But... That's just not something that's going to scare me. The Giants play the Commanders, like I said. They play the Vikings, who are going to be looking for a bounce back game. You know, they just got beat by the Lions. Uh, tough loss. I don't think they're going to get beat by the Giants, too. I could be wrong. I mean, the, the, the Vikings could be crumbling before us. That's possible. But even if that's the case, you know, I still I still feel like the Seahawks, given that they'll be able to pull out their final two games, should be able to earn at least one of those slots, right? Six or seven. Then the Colts. The Giants might win against the Colts. I mean, that'd probably be an evenly matched thing, but it's no guarantee that they win against the Colts. Depends on where the Colts are. The Colts are in the weird space themselves, interim coaching, etc. And I know for sure they're gonna lose against the Eagles. Unless the Eagles choose to rest all their people. I don't know why they would I mean maybe they choose to do that. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard call because either way, I think if they sit people, they still are going to win that game just because the Eagles are so much of a better roster than the Giants. But it is a divisional game. I just, for the Eagles to sit that many players in the divisional game to end the season, knowing they're already going to have a bye week, and they're going to be the only team to have a bye week going into the playoffs, I just don't know if, they, if, they gonna, if they're going to see fit to sit guys, basically to rest guys for two weeks. Um... I think maybe for players who are injured, perhaps. But if you're healthy, they're probably going to play you. And they'll lose that game. So I think the 2-2 two and two Seahawks schedule will be enough uh, to overcome between the Giants and Commanders playing them, playing each other one more time. The Commanders probably losing two more games. And the Giants for sure losing at least one. But us having beat them, having, a, having that as a tiebreaker if it comes down to it. And I think it might come down to that but the Seahawks are still at an advantage there. So don't panic either, either way, the Seahawks are in a good position. If they make the playoffs, great experience for the rookies. If they don't, I still think they've had good experience be, just being in a competitive environment and not tanking like people wanted them to tank. And you still got the number number two overall pick. Works out great, right? So that's it in terms of what I feel about this game and my takeaways. It's hard to take away anything other than they just need to draft dudes. Like they just they just need to sign free agents and draft dudes to help this team be better on defense. It, it was a matter of talent. It's not too much analysis and stats I can give you on that. It's plain as day. It's simple to see. And I'm not going to overthink it myself. So let's sort of talk on the talking points that I don't think we covered in the preview against the 49ers when I recorded that yesterday on the Ted, Ted talks ball, we did talk a little bit about, well, actually at the time of recording, we did not have the knowledge that Kenneth Walker the third and Shelby Harris were full participants, which you love to see. So Kenneth Walker looks to be back and that's going to be so important. You just got to hope that the O-line can back him up because even before he went out, I, he, he was having sort of a down, down year that Not a down year, but a couple of down games where he was getting bottled up pretty well. And I think since he has had the down year, I don't know if teams will be scheming against him as heavily. Maybe, maybe not. But you really need your O-line to step up right here and try to do a better job of run blocking. I think that the that Shane Waldron should abandon the screens because they get you nowhere every time. Um, if they can do that, I feel pretty good about Kenneth Walker's ability to contribute meaningfully to this team in this next game on tomorrow. But the bad news is also Chevy Harris, let me not over, overdo that. That I think completely threw the Seahawks team, the fact that he got ill and he was a last minute help that he was last minute scratch when they planned a game plan around him playing. I mean, they couldn't really scheme around his absence. And then when Al Woods went down and made it impossible, what can you do, but just Lay down and take. You don't have the personnel to do anything different and you didn't get an opportunity to scheme around possibilities of what you could do if you didn't have those guys. That that was a huge loss on both ends and it just didn't give you enough time to make adjustments accordingly. Shelby Harris coming back, I think makes a big deal, especially given that he actually fits the scheme. Now, you would love to have Al Woods, but unfortunately, neither he nor Ryan Neal practiced. I think this means you might see more of Jonathan Abram uh, on the one hand, that scares me a little bit. But on the other hand, he's known for being a great tackler. He's been he's made a couple of impact plays on some blitzes that I like, and I'd like to see them do some blitzing. We'll talk a little bit about that in a couple minutes. And I think from, he's not great in coverage, but I think with the cornerbacks being pretty good, especially Tariq Woolen being lead, and Michael Jackson being pretty good, I do think that. They can make up for that because they, I mean, they're the 49ers are going to try to run it down our throats. I'm not worried about them trying to throw it all across the yard at this point. And you'd like to get to the point where they're throwing it because we stopped the run game, right? That's that's the ideal scenario considering where they were last week. And so since Jonathan Abram plays to the strengths of what they need the most, I'm fine with him being in there. I, I love Ryan Neal, and I'd rather have him and Abram as a blitz option. I love to have that three safety look as an option in terms of versatility. But if you don't get it, you don't get it. I, I wasn't too displeased with with T's table, Taylor when he when he did play. Um, they, they PFF hated T's Taylor. I thought he made some pretty good plays, especially in coverage. And so I'm okay. I can live with that. So that's where we are with the injury reports in terms of like key injuries that you need to be monitoring. um, DK was also on the injury report, but I think he'll be fine. He was on the injury report last week. I'm not really too worried about that. But let's talk a little bit about Gino. I did say I I talk about this and I, I just found this to be significant. Gino mentioned in a press conference yesterday that, or maybe it was Monday, that he felt that he had been too aggressive lately. And I would agree with him in that regard. Like I mentioned, he's been getting interceptions way more often in the second half of the season than he was in the first half of the season. And that is in part because he does try to, I think, not force. Sometimes he is forcing the ball. I love the aggressiveness and the mindset because that was the biggest knock on Geno is that he's not aggressive enough. I just think he's got to bounce that out a little bit. But I will say it scares me in the sense of I wonder how much of that is him talking and how much of that is Pete talking. And is Pete going to chop this playbook in half when basically, you know, like basically do what he did with Russ when Russ was cooking, right? It was let Russ cook and Pete cut the playbook down and, and, and the offense was absolutely anemic. It would look like game two did when they played the 49ers the first time. And I just don't think that the Seahawks are in a position to be able to do that. They don't have the running backs to be able to do that. They don't have the run blockers to be able to do that. I think you still have to depend on Gino and you just want him to balance doing the check downs a little bit more, playing more into the quick game, intermediate game a little bit more often than he was. Maybe not those deep rounding ra- routes that they were trying to do before. And I understood why they were doing it so much last week in particular because they're trying to they're trying to make the deep ball a threat, stretch out the defense a little bit more because so they can have a little bit more open space for the running game, basically trying to open up the run with the pass. I understood that concept, but it just backfired on, on, on them a few times. I, I genuinely feel like, Gino should have had three picks. And in my mind, he does, uh, because that third pick, the guy just couldn't get in balance quick enough to get it. But he that was definitely an interception. Otherwise, he just got away with that one. But I do think that there should be more balance. I think that there was room for him to make more check down opportunities. And I definitely think there's more room for him to throw the ball away quicker than he has. Sometimes he's just, he he takes too much risk with this, that he does Russell Wilson type stuff where he's just spinning, you're just spinning in a circle and you get sacked every time. You're not that mobile where you can just escape those kind of things. You want to see Geno do a better job of throwing those balls away to give your team a chance. I mean, he can lose like, you know, sometimes like seven to 10 yards on those sacks. And those are killers. Whereas if he just threw it away, they'd be back at square one and they can just start over. You'd really like to see that more from him. Like like I said, that immediate, that intermediate game, which hasn't gone away, but just hasn't been emphasized as much as it was when, when they had a better run game. So we'll see. My, it does concern me in that is Pete Carroll really going to chop this offense in half? But I, I lean no. I'm nervous about it, but I lean no just because you know, Pete can't say we're going to depend on our run, our running game and our defense. He knows full well that, that those two things don't exist and I'm hoping that Pete is smart enough to know to that to trust Gino to make those better decisions on his own and play like he did in those first I don't know from weeks like 3 to 7. I feel like he did an excellent job of taking what the defense gave him every time but still making the defense pay every time. He was still a threat. Even when he wasn't throwing the ball downfield as much, he wasn't having as many big-time throws, he was still just as much a threat in that intermediate game. Got this team a ton of third-down conversions, and they have struggled with that as of late. And I do think it's because of doing those more long-developing long, long developing type of routes, more deep throws. I think they've lost a little bit, so I'd like to see some balance there. That could be a key to the game. the keys to the game, I have just a few. There's, there's not a lot. Um, key number one, get healthy. <laughs> get, get healthy. Uh, you, you, I, I would love to see an Al Woods and a and Ryan Neal. I think Ryan Neal may have a better chance than Al Woods just because we're we talking about an Achilles that is nothing to play with. And so, especially at his age, they're not gonna play Al. Ryan, maybe not either, but I, I'm gonna be hopeful that maybe if he's more limited or something like that today, that they'll consider playing him, I don't I don't know. But you'd love to see him get out there. But especially Kenneth Walker's Key and Shelby Harris, getting those two dudes back back makes a huge difference in this game. I think they're swing factors. Number two, play their strengths. I just feel like time after time after time, week after week since the bye week, they've gone away from what with the schemes that made them more successful in the beginning with those bare front schemes those four three more like four three schemes um play for some of that I- i'm not saying completely go back four three but i am saying like you can run some bare fronts that are still based in three four principles that are basically what they started to do last year last year when they went on that defensive run play that the players played that extremely well It worked well for your personnel. It was still three four principles, but it worked better for those players who technically still play better in a 4-3. And it allowed this middle ground that allowed for a little bit more versatility, a little bit more unpredictability, but still gave you the advantage of using your personnel, man. They have got to scheme these dudes up to put them in a better position. They start off with the same game plan every week for the past three or four weeks, and they have to adjust in those first two drives every time. And it's absolutely killed them every time. Those first two drives, yes, they got better after that, but guess what? They lost the games because they allowed those first two drives to begin with. Get a hell on it from the beginning. And Pete has more familiarity with Ja'Kyle Shanahan more than any other coach, so maybe that can finally be fixed here. But they have got to play their strengths, but they don't have a chance. They got to do what their their players do best and stop trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Just won't work. And then thirdly, I do think they should be more aggressive. I don't want to see a lot of zone coverage. I don't want to see a lot of, you know, Russian four or Russian three in our case didn't work. Blitz the Jonathan Abrams uh blitzes worked on Sam Darnold, they might just as well work on Brock Purdy. This is a quarter, a young quarterback that you're playing. He barely got drafted to begin with, drafted in the seventh round, and yeah, he's shown some good stuff. But he's shown some good stuff against some really beating up person, uh, defenses. I'm not saying that these this defense isn't also beat up, but I am saying I think that this team is this defense is better than the defense that they played last time not just because it's the buccaneers but because the buccaneers defense was missing all of their best players they weren't they didn't have antoine winfield jr they didn't have uh uh murphy bunting as their cornerback i mean they were really really injured. innovative Bay the, went out early they just all of their key guys left and, and so i think that played to the advantage of of the 49ers a bit and, and Now more teams have – I mean, Carroll has more tape on him. To me, he seems more like a Mac Jones who can, like, escape a little bit better, maybe, than Mac Jones can. But that's about it. Um, And that doesn't scare me on its surface. Uh, They lost Debo Samuel, so they're not going to have that threat, which would have been a problem for us, I think. But uh, now they'll either have to play Christian McCaffrey more snaps or play somebody else, and we'll see what they do. And I think Christian McCaffrey will be a problem for this team, but I I just – I don't, It may, maybe it's enough, but if you can shake up Brock Purdy, get some bits of plays, make him second guess himself, get him frazzled. I mean, he's new to the NFL, rough him up a bit. You can do that. I think this, this can help swing the momentum in the favor of the Seahawks, given that they'll be at home anyway. Now, I'm saying that and I've used it as an advantage, I've said that it's an advantage all this time. I'm beginning to question if Gino plays well at home or not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the first half of the season would make me think yes, but the second half would say no. Uh, we'll find out. But hopefully, it can be a swing factor for him and for this team. Um, if, they can, if they can rough up Brock Purdy a little bit, it you know, does have just better pocket presence and poise in those type of moments. So that's pretty much my keys to the game. There are other talking points I mentioned, but I talked about those in um, the preview that I did with Ted Talks Ball. So please go check that out. It is on YouTube. It is also on um, Spotify and Apple. If you're listening, well, if you if listen to this, you should also find that episode there as well. In the meantime, guys, that's it. That's all I got for now. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. Also, be sure to follow the show at Ethos Seahawks. We appreciate any feedback that you guys have. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoy that preview that I just did. We may be doing a reaction video also, so be on the lookout for that. Also, the Ethos Seahawks page just started doing Twitter spaces. So after every post game, we will be on Twitter, breaking down the game, giving your reactions, from here on forward, so check us out. Again, follow us on Athos Seahawks to come join us, venture, venture concerns, share your victories if you're excited, whatever's on your mind, you absolutely have a platform to do that in those Twitter spaces. But well, that's it guys, that's all I got for now. And as always, go Hawks.